Come on, church, put your hands together. If you believe together we can win a world to Jesus Christ. Come on, we can do it. With the help of the Holy Spirit. Praise God, what an honor it is for us to be here today at Grace Assembly of God. I want you to know the weapons that you fight with are not of this world. You don't fight with the weapons. They're just, they're carnal. God has given you weapons that have divine power. Come on, church, to break down strongholds. How many have felt some strongholds in your life this week? How many of you just felt some push, there's some resistance? Come on, would you just raise up your hand and say, God, I've got divine power that you're giving me right now to break down some strongholds. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in worry. You can live in victory because God has already done it for us. Woo, God is worthy to be praised. Amen. Oh, God is good. It is an honor for us to be here with you, Pastor Doug. Cindy, are you in the room? I still, Cindy came and she had her mask on. And she said, it's Cindy. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so helpful here. Mike, it is an honor to be here. Your pastor was so passionate about student ministries and for 15 years served this state of New York so, so incredibly well. So honored by leaders around the world and uh, for the awesome leader he is. But I know I walked with him and I remember. We just like, you know what? There's something else. There's something more. I miss the local church. God put you on his heart as a DYD. And he, he wrestled through it because he saw what was happening, but he knew what God had. Your pastor loves you. He prays for you. And he's committed to the work here at Grace Assembly of God here in Syracuse. Don't you appreciate your pastor? Praise God. Thank you, my friend, for being so faithful. Wow, it's an amazing, amazing moment. You know, when you talk about youth ministry, youth ministry, we have spent our, our, our lives taking and bringing students into the presence of God. Every student's got to experience the power in the presence of God for themselves. How many parents here have a kid that's away at the retreat right now? It's on the way home. Come on, let me see your hands. Okay, there's a bunch of you. Have y'all enjoyed your serenity this week? And it's been good? Well, it's over. <laughs> Except for this, I can guarantee you, after you feed them, they will pass out. They're going to pass out. You've got a few more hours then to be able to do it. But wow, incredible that you would be here. You know what? Stop clapping because they're going to bed, okay? Yeah. Yeah, you need that kid, you know? But, uh, Pastor, I'm going to, by the way, thanks for all you people who are online right now. Forgive me, I am a walker. I'm going to walk out of the camera right here, here, as a matter of fact here. But you know what? There was a great surprise to me this morning because I did not know this young lady who is from the Pendel District. And I want you to know, not everybody are New York Jets fans. <laughs> or Buffalo. <laughs> yeah. There's a young lady here who grew up in the Pendel camps, and she is here. You actually know her, and she's over here. Haley, come here. Haley, Haley, stand on up. Do you all know who Haley is? She's one of our Pendel girls for sure. Haley, just share very quickly, what did it mean to you as a student growing up in camps? Well, thank you for putting me on the spot. It's so good to see Doug Sears. It was. She gets such might fright, doesn't she? I know you, there's no rebellion in your life because you're not a teenager. Here it is. 
Hey, smile at the camera. Hey, I got Haley. Okay. Um, <laughs> worship is one thing, but okay. So, no, for real though, I sent my two teenagers to winter retreat because I really do believe that we should do everything we can to get them into the presence of God. Whatever, you just never know when that opportunity is going to hit. And so um, camp for me was amazing. Kids camp is where I rededicated my life to God. It's where I uh, got baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's where I got called into ministry, teen camp. I just spent hours at the altar seeking the Lord, just being called into the ministry that he had called for me. So it means so much. And I cannot tell you how amazing. When we got here, I mean, 29 years of youth ministry, and we went to pray, and he knew who I was. He knew where I lived. He remembered my siblings. I just, I am seriously in shock. That is so impressive and absolutely amazing, and it shows your heart for teenagers. So you, thank you. Haley. Yeah, praise God. Thanks, give it up for Haley. There it is. There it is. Students experiencing the power and the presence of God. It forever changes their lives. I want to talk to you today about something called transform. I'm going to invite you to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And as you're turning there, let me just uh, break this out to you. A little background on the book of Romans. Romans is a powerful story. It is a book that uh, Paul writes to the believers there in Rome. Rome is the seat of power for the world. Rome is the most powerful nation in the world, but yet it is absolutely full of debauchery and sin. There's Sin is abounding. You, you think of any gross sin you can think of, it was happening in the nation of Rome. By the way, kind of reminds me of something else that's near and dear to our hearts. I don't know if you know anything about seats of power in the world, but welcome to the United States. Um, here it is, though. Paul writes to the believers there in Rome. The key verse of Romans is actually found in the very first verse. I'm sorry, the first chapter, the 16th verse. And this is the key verse of the entire book of Romans. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, church. Anybody? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because I know, I know, I know it is the power of God unto salvation to all them that believe. Any believers in the house today? Anyone believing? That's it. That's it. If you haven't believed yet, you're going to bid the time we're done here today. I'm believing that. I'm believing that. I'm praying that over your life right now. Not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul takes the first 11 chapters and he takes that and he draws out this most incredible theological dissertation for this. The, um, the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we were, Pastor Doug, if the book of Romans was the only thing we ever had, we'd have everything we need to know Jesus, including the gifts that he has for us. It is all there. The way to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Romans is a powerful, powerful word. Beginning in chapter 12, though, we see there's a transition that happens very, very hard, starting with this. Paul introduces something in his writings that we've been doing in youth ministries for years, and it's called now the so what part of the gospel? So what? You know, every teenager I've ever preached to, you know, you're preaching the Bible to them. They're going to get to a place where they're going to go, so what? What does this have to do with me? Why are you telling me all this? What does this have to do with my life? How does it affect my life? And let me tell you, every good preacher has got to deal with the so what. 
We got to deal with the so. Pastor Doug deals with the so what every day. I watched him today as God met with us and he he shared with us an encouraging word, you know, through the gifts of the Spirit today. And I watched Pastor deal with the so what. What is this all? What does this have to do with us? What does the Scripture say about this? We need to do it for students. We need to do it for adults. Teaching the so what of scriptures. Paul does that beginning in chapter 12 through chapter 16. It is what we call the application phase of this book. He now applies what he has written in the first 11 chapters. He now applies it to our life. And as we pick it up there in verse 12, it's a hard transition that he has. And he starts with these words. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, come on, church, What I'm seeing here is there's an urgency about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Does anybody feel the urgency in the day? Does anybody feel an urgency about the word? That the word gets to all the nations. That that those who have not heard the name of Jesus begin to understand. There's an urgency in the gospel. Paul, in the strongest way he can write this, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourself, setting yourself apart from this world as a living sacrifice holy and well-pleasing to God which is a rational logical intellectual act of worship in verse number two he begins and do not be conformed to this world any longer come on church why are we always trying to imitate the world why why are we For many of us, it's because we want to belong. We want to be accepted. Many of us, we want to be popular. I want you to know all those things are already taken care of in the kingdom of God. You are loved by God. You are owned by God. You are approved by God. Everything that you've been searching for in life, God has already done in and over you. And our generation of students need to know this. They need to know that they are accepted, that they are loved, that they are everything. It's right there for them. Don't be conformed to this word any longer with the superficial values and customs, but be transformed. Say transformed. Be transformed and progressively changed as you've been toured spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves, not for everybody else, but that you can prove for yourself what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect, his plan and purpose for you. God has a plan for all of us. Are you walking in God's plan? No, seriously. Think through it. Are you walking in God's plan in and over your life? For Susan and I, that plan was interrupted two years earlier. Two years earlier, as DYD of the Pendel District, something we loved, something we were passionate about. And dude, you're freaking me out here right now. You look so much like a youth pastor out of Delaware right now. I keep looking at you, man. I want to come on over, man, and just hang out for a little bit there. Thanks, man, for looking like a good friend of mine. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, so you can't, you can't see him, but I wish you were here. You could, yeah. But anyway... Two years earlier, as we were just taking in my prayer time, I began hearing God ask this question every day, every day, every day. Every day I heard God ask him, will you trust me? 
Will you trust me? Now I got to tell you, church, when I heard the word, I got excited. How many would get excited if you heard God asking you the question, will you trust me? How many? How many out there would be like, you're crazy as me? Yeah, you are. You're just lunatics. I got so excited. I'm like, yes, God, you're about to break something fresh. There's a new oil coming. God, there's something fresh and new that you're wanting to do. Yes, God, I'll trust you. What is it? I'm ready, God. What is it? What do you need me to do? I can tell you the one year in, every day, multiple times a day, as we walked and lived in prayer, every day hearing, will you trust me? I was broken. Did you ever get to a place where you don't know how to respond to God any longer? It's a dry place. It's a dry place. Sickness, disease, loss of loved ones can bring you to those kind of places. I'm here to tell you, God hasn't walked away. He hasn't forgotten you. You're not there. You're not there. We've got to fight through it. Come on, church. We've got to fight through and find out what the plan of God is. What is the plan? I answered yes every way I knew how. It was in Devo's one morning when I came to recognize the God that you and I serve is not a God of lip service. God just doesn't talk the talk. He walks the walk. There's an old phrase. God takes whatever he speaks, he brings it to life. We see that beginning in the first chapter of Genesis. We see that God spoke the word and he divided the ground from the dry ground from the oceans. We see in the word of God, he spoke the word and he divided the night into day. He spoke the word. He speaks the word. He spoke it there for six days and on the seventh day he rested. It's an amazing thing. Let me tell you, those words have power to them. How about it? They have power. You see, too many of us though, we have learned to do lip service to God, but we've not put any action behind our lips God's not looking for lip service he's looking for an action are you moving are you allowing God to have his way in your life this is what led Susan and I to offer our resignation as district youth directors something we love something we were passionate about something honestly I wanted Jesus to take us home doing we loved it to bring students into the power and the presence of God the most important place is this altar this is where everything we did led to this altar we would get students in this altar and God would do healing work in the altar he would call students to himself through salvation he would bring healing we had physical healings emotional healings he would fill them with his Holy Spirit as we were Pentecostal and we would bring the gifts of the spirit into operation and allow God to speak to us powerful powerful camps we were raising up leaders and when we left the Pendel district we had 2,000 students that were in their high schools every day taking the gospel of Jesus Christ into their public schools come on somebody give a praise for that bold students for the cause of Jesus Christ getting the job done I recognized God was looking for an action I offered my resignation Church, I was the happiest guy in the room because I was turned down twice. They wouldn't accept my resignation. And I'm like, yes! Let me tell you, that's confusing in the kingdom of God as well. Because there comes a moment when you're saying, I don't really know what to do, but God, I want to trust you. I'm trusting my leadership because I keep turning this thing down, but I'm not sure what the next is. And I continue to hear every day, will you trust me? Will you trust me? Oh. Yeah, God, I don't know. I don't know what else to do. 
We just speed the light tour. We raise a lot of money for missions. Praise God, because missionaries need it. They need transportation on the field. They need sound systems. They need video equipment. Why? The gospel of Jesus Christ has got to be heard. It's got to be seen. It's got to be, we've got to get into those areas where the unreached are not, I haven't heard the name of Jesus yet. Speed of light is powerful in doing that. Thank you, thank you, thank you for giving in to speed the light. Haley, I want to thank even Jesus for your brother. One day at camp, uh, the main dorm, he had a sign there, and he's hanging out the window as the girls are going on to camp there. Had a sign on there. It was this mucho booth for speed the light. A dollar a kiss for speed the light. That's Haley's brother. Yeah, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Haley tells me he raised a lot of money for speed the light. You know? I believe he's a good-looking kid. <laughs> wow. Sorry, Haley. I'm just picking all. Thank you for being here today. You want me to tell any northern Pittsburgh stories on you? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, now we'll go. God, crazy things. Superintendent asked us to go to lunch, and I thought he wanted to report on our speed of light chart. I gave him a glowing report. When he was done, he said, thanks, Doug. I appreciate all that you've done, but that's not why I brought you here. I want you to know I brought you here today because I'm going to accept your resignation as our DYD. Wow, come on, church. If that won't change your day, <laughs> that will change your day. I remember I put it out on social media. We made a video to make the announcement. We sent it out. My phone blew up. Youth pastors, pastors calling. My phone is blowing up. People asking, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Come on, you can help me. And I said, I don't know. I don't know. They say, stop. We know you know what you're going to do. Tell me. I won't tell anybody. I promise you, we will tell nobody. I'll tell you, there's a lot of liars in the kingdom of God. <laughs> I said, no, seriously, I don't know. And they said, don't tell me that. Because for decades, you've told us. You've told us as youth pastors, don't leave your now till you know your next. Don't leave your now till you know your next. And I said, yeah, and I'm not 21 either. You know, I've wrestled through a lot of, and I busted down a lot of walls. I said, what little did I know? I said, I apologize. I didn't know God was going to take me on a Genesis 12 journey. Genesis chapter 12 is where God calls Abraham. Abraham, he says, pack it up. You're sending you to a place, a place you don't know of. Get ready. I can just imagine that day. You know, he hears this voice from God. I imagine him getting his cell phone out and he calling up his wife. Hey, Sarah, you know what? Hey, pack up the tent. We're leaving. Yo, ladies, if your husband calls you and says, pack up, we're leaving, what's your first question? Where are we going? Of course, you're so nosy. You know, you want to know everything. You know what? That's the same thing. When I came home and I told Susan, I said, baby, start packing the house. We're moving. Susan said, where are we going? I said, I don't know. Susan said, when you get there, send me a postcard. I'll decide if I want to join you or not. That's my wife. She's been so faithful. She has, she has literally gone around the world with me. And I've not always put her in the nicest places. I got to tell you that. We go to the rough places. We go to the rough places. But, uh, yeah, we did not know where we were going. If you've ever known Doug Sayers, and please, I mean this with all humility, but if you've ever known me, God, like your pastor, he's ever, always had opportunity in our back pocket. God's always had something there. I know a bunch of you are like that. You've always had opportunity in your back pocket. I reached in my back pocket to see what was there, what opportunity. Guess what I found? Any guesses? Lint. Good one. I had to have a strong conversation with my wife about that. Yeah, get the lint out of these pockets. I found nothing. 
the Spirit of God began to teach me something. If you're going to trust God, start with nothing. Too many of us are trying to start with something to do something. It's not how God works. He said, it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit. Are you dependent on God or are you dependent on your stuff? Are you dependent on the call of God and the anointing of God and the weapons that God is putting in your hand or are you still collecting stuff to do life? God help us. When Peter stepped out of the boat and that storm came and he began walking on the water out toward the boat and they were scared to death thinking Jesus is a ghost. It was. He was the Holy Ghost. He was. What did Peter do? Peter got tired of boat life. He got tired of just being, and he said, Master, if you let it be me. And Jesus said, come. He steps out of the boat. The only man to ever walk on water. You're going to walk on water fine, the scriptures teach us, until you do what? You get your eyes off Jesus. But you know what I love about the master? He didn't let Peter go to the bottom of the Sea of Galilee. No, he reached out, took him by the hand, and he pulled him up and took him to the boat of safety. Church, can you trust God? Can you trust God? I want to trust God. Even when I don't know. When I don't know. We walked that journey. I was in Springfield, Missouri. I had some meetings in Springfield. Went down to Springfield. That's where our national headquarters is located. While I was there, there was a chance meeting with the regional director, Dave Ellis of Latin America Caribbean with the Assemblies of God World Missions. How many know there's not normally very many chance meetings in the kingdom? Did you know that? I had this chance meeting with him, and we're having a great time. Having a great time, you know, just talking about life and doing stuff. When all of a sudden, he asked me this question. Question I wasn't prepared for. Question I had never gave it a thought. He asked this question, Doug, if you and Susan were to become Assemblies of God World Missionaries, what would you want to do? Now, I've read the scriptures through enough, and I especially in the book of Acts have seen that, you know, there are times that there are going to be questions that are going to come your way. And did you know you don't have to have an answer for everything? But yet the Holy Spirit will speak through you. I had one of those. How many of you have ever had a moment like that where the Holy Spirit has spoke through you? It's crazy time, isn't it? Yeah, I heard myself saying for the first time, and I'm taking notes on what I'm saying, you know, as I'm saying this myself. The Holy Spirit spoke through me, and I said, Sir, if Susan and I were to come as Sims of God World Missionaries, there's only one thing we want to do, and that's to catalyze or to start youth ministries around the world. You see, we've been in 19 countries, and we've seen there's ministry to children. There's ministry to college, so they meet Jesus. But no no one's going after the teenagers of the world. The teenagers are being left alone. Nobody is going after them, presenting the gospel to a generation. And we know that the word of God says that until everyone hears, he's not going to send his son back. I believe God wants to do something supernatural through a generation to change a world, to change a nation, to change what God is doing in this economy. We're going after students in Jesus' name. I watched this seasoned missions leader take his chair, slide it back to the wall, and look straight up into heaven. And I'm going, ooh, I've had enough psychology to know this man feels trapped. I've just trapped this guy. I didn't mean to. And I'm like, I'm sorry. This man just contemplated for a while, and then he lowers his head, and he looks right at me, and he says, Doug, you know that's never been done before, right? I go, no, but it sure needs to be done. He said, do you know how you're going to do it? I said, no, but God does. 
I said, Paul went on missionary journeys and he didn't know what he was going to do. The Holy Spirit led him every step of the way. And he planted churches and he started. He just trusted God. Is he, I'm willing to do that. And he goes, you don't have a problem asking for big things, do you? And I said, why should I? I serve a big God. I said, how big's your God? Oh, shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I'm just saying, I shouldn't have said that. I'm learning to play better with others, okay? I'm learning. I said, yeah, no, I'm not afraid. He said, well, Doug, that's never been done before. I said, great, great. Sign me up. I can't mess it up. You know what? Got no one to measure it against. We're all in. He said, I don't even know how to move forward with this. I said, don't worry about it. God does. We got this. That began the journey for missions for us. I have teenagers ask me all the time, Doug, did you always know you're going to be a missionary? No. No, I didn't know I was going to be a missionary. Here's what I did know. I knew that I was called to follow God. I knew that I loved people and I wanted to serve people. And I knew I needed to bring the gospel to, the, to a generation. Those are the only three things that I know. That's all I knew. And I can tell you, that qualifies you to do ministry. That qualifies you. So don't worry that you don't have any degrees behind your name. Don't worry. You don't have all the qualifications. You know what? Have a heart that loves God and go after people that they might know Jesus. This is exactly what we have done. We have ta- I have loved taking students and adults on mission trips. I love to take them. Why? Because I'm taken to a country they don't know the culture. They don't recognize anything in the homes or anything like that. They don't understand the language. They're totally dependent on God. Did you know that's how he really wants us to live? When we do orientation, there's a couple things that I begin to teach our students. You know, some of the things, you know, very quickly that we just talk about is I say, we're not going to do the traditional thing that we learned in the States. You know, we are not going to be the people who are going to bow our heads, close our eyes, and, and kumbaya in prayer. No, 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 no. I want you to know you're in a battle. You're in a spiritual battle right now. You're in a battle for souls. You're in a battle for a community. You're in a, bar, you're in a, a, a battle to win a city. You're in a battle. And I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. It says, lift up your eyes. Watch and pray. Because why? The days are evil. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. And here's what you're going to do. I want you to know Billy Graham's altar workers are not available to us for our crusades this week. Guess what? You are our new Billy Graham altar workers. We are so glad that you're here with us today. You're going to be serving that when we take and we preach on the streets here's what's going to happen there's going to be three areas people who come in the middle are going to be people who have responded that need to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior I said it's a great place to lead people to Jesus over here I said these people over here they're they're sick and they need a healing I said you're going to pray for them and I said you're going to watch God do the miraculous God's going to heal people up right in front of your eyes don't question it don't wonder you're not the healer you pray for them God will do the rest and I said because we're Pentecostal over here. I said, people, we're going to pray for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because why? We don't get to stay here forever. People are going to be filled with the Spirit. And God's going to empower them to be witnesses to the rest of the community here to bring into a salvation in Jesus Christ. I said, we're going to do our work and God's going to do his work. And then they're going to do the work of God for us as we go. And I've watched students, man, just go after this thing. It's powerful as we watch students, student after student, begin to get this. Every student wants the same thing. Don't want to know. I, I need an interpreter to tell me what they need. I said, you got one. You got one. It's called the Holy Spirit. 
Do not bother our interpreters. They've got other responsibilities. You right now, you pray, you watch, you pray, and let the Holy Spirit show you who to pray for and how to pray for them. I watch as kids get a hold of this thing. It's a powerful, it's a powerful dynamic. Come on, church, as we begin to move in the Spirit, as we begin to see God moving by His Spirit in our lives, we, God begins to reveal to us what it is that He's already spoken to us, and we see God begin to do a powerful work in their lives. There was one young lady, our first night of the crusade, she was standing there. The students are all praying with people. And she's standing there, and she's just pacing back and forth. And she isn't engaged yet. She hasn't prayed for anybody. And she's just really, really struggling. And uh, pretty soon she's over there, and she's sitting underneath a tree. And I go over, and I say, baby, what's going on? She's just like, I need an interpreter. I need an interpreter. Tell me what to pray. She said, just tell me who to pray for, and I'll pray for him. I said, no, 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 come here. Come here. Sweetheart, I said, I want you to watch him pray. I said, you just ask Jesus. I said, he'll lead you who to pray for and how to pray for him. You don't need to know the language. You just need to know Jesus. You ready? Let's go. And we took it. I said, watch him pray. I just watched this young lady. He's frustrated. Second night, the same thing. Just so frustrated. Pretty soon, you know, we found her over here sitting under the tree again and uh, brought her on over. And she just so frustrated. She said, please, please, just somebody tell me how to pray, who to pray for. I promise you I will pray for them. I said, I can't do it. You got to hear from God. You have to hear from God. God is speaking, and you don't recognize his voice. When are you going to begin to hear God's voice? You're going to begin tonight. You've got to hear from God. You've got to hear from God. And once again, not there. Third night, we get in there, and all of a sudden, I don't see this young lady. The teams all pray. I can't find this young lady. I get one of my leaders on up here, and I say, bro, where is she? I'm like, he's like, I don't know. I'm like, bro, I think we got a runner, and I don't even know where to begin to look for runners in this country. I've never gone home without a student. This can't be the first one. We've got to find her. Pretty soon he came back, and he goes, I found her. I said, where is she? He said, she's over here in the healing line, and she's laying down in the dirt with her arms wrapped around a lady's leg, and she's praying, heal her legs, heal her legs, heal her legs. And I went, praise God. That's often. He said, but you told us not to get down in the dirt because there's no sanitation here, and there's a lot of disease down in the dirt. Do you want me to get her up and bring her to you? I said, absolutely not. I said, if God can lead her to pray, he can protect her too. You know, let her go, let her go. It was a powerful, powerful breakthrough. It looked like those moments when Jesus, when he was getting prepared to face the cross, where there was a young lady who took and broke a cruise of oil, and she wept over Jesus as she washed his feet with her hair. It's a beautiful thing as I watch this young lady begin to hear from God and do what God wanted in her life, in this lady's life. Is that crusade began to take and wane down, and she's still praying for it. I made my way over, and I spoke to the lady, and I said, please, would you share with me what Jesus has done in your life tonight? And this woman with tears, tears. Pastor, I was really struggling to understand her through her tears. I was really struggling. But here's a story she said. She said, I just came from the doctor today. She said, at the doctor today, he said that he needed to take my leg or I was going to die. She said, I have gangrene in my leg. And he said, if he did not take my leg today, I would not 
be able, I would not live the rest of this week. And immediately I began thinking about my children. I don't have a husband, and who's going to care for my children? If, if I can, if without a leg, I can't care for my children. Who will care for my children? And I looked at the doctor and said, not today. Not today. You can't have my leg today. And she said, and I walked out desperate, not knowing where to go, not knowing where to turn. I can just sense the angst in this mom's life. Is she so concerned about the future? Not just her future, but the future of her children. And she said, when I heard the music, I heard the music and I followed the music. And it was you. You were singing here. You were talking about this Jesus. And in that country, it's Jesus. And I'm trying to figure out which one of these people is Jesus. Who's the Jesus here? She wanted to know who it was, who is Jesus. And we took and we gave an opportunity for people to come receive Jesus. She said, I started to come to the, to the line to receive Jesus. She said, but then you started talking about healing. And I came over here to the healing because I need a healing. And she said, I don't know if I did it right. And she's just crying. And I'm like, oh, baby, it's so okay. She said, but God has healed me. And she did something the Latino woman, you will not find them ever, ever doing public. She reached way down. She took the hem of her skirt and she hikes it up for us to see her hip. And there's pink skin that has already covered her gangrenous wound that is there. God's doing a healing right in front of our eyes. I'm telling you, church, this young lady was forever transformed in her life, in her ministry, in her destination. I got home that week, and I'll finish with this, Pastor. We got home, and this very next Sunday, I'm coming back from a meeting when my cell phone rings, and on the other end is one of our pastors, and this pastor said to me, first thing he said, Sares, what did you do to our kids while they were in Bolivia with you? I can tell you, when a pastor starts with that, this is not going to be good. And I'm like, pastor, nothing to the best of my knowledge. You know, everything is fine. He said, well, I got to tell you what happened this morning. I said, okay. He said, this morning I was conducting the service. And he said, when? He said, our deacons, they put cards on, on the pulpit, you know, the prayer needs. And he said, when I got to one of them, one of our dear saints that our church just dearly loves and I love, she sits over here. She sits in this section over here. And there was a card that told us that she had been just diagnosed with a fast-growing cancer. I read it to the church, and the church gasped as we all just learned of this and I looked at this sister and said please know you'll be in our prayers we're going to be praying for you she said when this teenage girl that was on the trip with you she raises her hand he said and I tried to ignore her <laughs> have you ever tried to ignore a teenager good luck doesn't happen real well She's got her hand up. Now she's almost standing up where the pastor acknowledged. And he said, is there something you wanted or something you want to say? And she said, yes. When we were away, we learned in James chapter 5 that when sick people are here, we're supposed to anoint them with oil, pray the prayer of faith, and God's going to heal them. Pastor, aren't we going to pray for this lady? Aren't we going to pray for her? And pastor's like, yes. We were just about to do that. Yeah. <laughs> He said, would you be willing to pray for her? She said, yes. Do you have any oil? And he's like, yeah, we have some oil here somewhere. Um, let me get it. And he gives her this big bottle of olive oil. 
and with a confidence that only comes from God. A young lady who just days early was so timid and broken and backward and shy was transformed by the power of God. This young lady with determination in her step, she stepped out. She made her way to this lady, and I got to tell you, our students are full of passion, but they're not really steeped in Bible theology and training. This young lady, she took the lid off this large bottle of olive oil and passed it, chucked it over her shoulder. She's about six feet from this lady, and she said, in the name of Jesus. You'd have thought he was a Holy Ghost Old Testament prophet. She begins to pray with passion. The church begins to rally and gather around this lady. And that was the service this morning as they prayed over this precious, precious lady. This pastor is now broken. He's bawling. He said, I've been in this church for five years. For five years, I've been asking God, God, we need a breakthrough in our church. God, we've got great people, but there is no spiritual fervor or fire. God, bring back the fire to your church one more time. God, will you bring it? And he said, this morning, God showed up through someone we never expected. He brought revival to our church through a life of a teenager. A teenager. Church, don't discount what a teenager can do. We have seen thousands of teenagers come to Christ because of a teenager and their boldness. I watched one young lady, she's in eighth grade, 13 years old, who became a campus missionary to her school. At the end of that school year, she had won one or two people to Christ. She had 72 kids that she had brought to Jesus. And those 72 kids had brought other kids to Christ. We were naming them up over 300 kids had come to Jesus Christ in their school because of one 13-year-old who caught the passion and a vision. Church, we're going after a generation. We're not quitting. We're just getting started. We're just starting. Wow. Friends have said, Doug, haven't you done enough? Don't you just want to take the easy way? I've never been that smart. I'm not looking for easy. I'm looking for kingdom results. I'm looking for eternal results. Come on, church. I know our teenagers are coming back, but I promise you, their lives have been touched by the power and the presence of Jesus. Don't forget to ask, what did Jesus do in your life this weekend? And if they are not forthcoming, do not get on them. They're like an onion. you got to peel them back a layer at a time. But I promise, the closer you get to the core, the more tears they will get and you will get as you discover what God has. 
I wonder if we could, in these closing moments, could we just intercede for some students right now? Perhaps you've got a kid right now. Would you just lift them up to Jesus right now? Lift up your hand. Come on. Begin to offer them. Come on, Pentecostals in the room. Would you begin to just talk to Jesus about some students, about maybe your children, maybe your grandchildren? Perhaps you need to adopt one. Perhaps there's somebody that needs Jesus. Perhaps you're here right now and you need Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to invite you to come and join us here at this altar right now. I would love the opportunity just lead you to Jesus. Perhaps you need a healing. I'm here to tell you. Jesus wants to heal. Come and join us over here. You need to be filled with the Spirit. Come on, join us over here. We believe that God wants to do something supernatural. But come on, church, intercede for some students. I want you to know their future is bright. As you unleash them, as you give them over to Jesus, as you've dedicated them to the Lord, it's just the beginning of what God wants to do. Society is trying to mask up a generation. But come on, church, I'm here to tell you the Holy Spirit's by ready to rip these masks off and you're going to see a bolden teenage group you're going to see students emboldened by the power of God and they've got something to say in the kingdom of God Lord we commit these students to you God we ask you Lord by your spirit that you will begin to work effectively in their lives Lord I pray Lord that the homes will be transformed that their schools will be transformed the communities will be transformed grace assembly of God will be transformed because there's teenagers Lord who are here and who are taking and growing in their spiritual walk their transformational moment is coming as they're maturing spiritually and they're growing in the things of God. We're trusting you, God. We're believing you, God. Do it in the name of Jesus.